we are talking about joy this morning. And uh, Advent season, of course, is, is about waiting. And uh, we're an instant society. So the idea of, of finding joy in waiting is difficult for us. We're all Inigo Montoya, aren't we? We hate waiting. I hate waiting, right? That's because that's everything comes so quickly to us that the very idea that there could be joy in the midst of preparation and all that um, is, uh, is hard for us. But, but this is what the season's about, and it's appropriate that this season is marked by two stories of pregnancy. First one is this one. If you've been around the church your entire life, you know this story, but if you haven't, this might be new to you. This is the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, okay? Zechariah was a priest uh, in uh, uh, Jerusalem, or he was in Jerusalem at this, at this time. Uh, he, was, he was a priest. His, his wife was a direct descendant of Aaron, so they had really great credentials. Um, unfortunately, they were looked on probably in that day, they were looked on as possibly cursed because they did not have children. So this was a great shame in, in ancient culture. It was looked on as something is wrong with you. Um, you know, God is not blessing you and he doesn't want, so whatever. There were all kinds of things attached to that. And it's, it's hard in any era. Um, this was particularly shameful for them. Uh, so uh, uh, Zechariah goes to Jerusalem and he's one of about 20,000 priests who would take turns serving in the temple. So they would go and serve for a few weeks uh, and then come back. So just a lot of people from all around Judea would come and do that. So here's Zechariah. He comes and uh, there's, there's you know, at least hundreds, maybe thousands of priests. And what they would do when they got there is they would draw lots, okay? It's, it was like picking the shortest straw, <laughs> casting dice. This is the way they worked it out. I don't understand. Uh, this is... A, the way often in the Old Testament that they determined what the will of God is. So that seems incredibly strange to me, like many things in Scripture, and I cannot explain it, but Pastor Joshua can. <laughs> Isn't it great when the, when the boss comes home and you can just throw all the hard stuff his way? Okay. <laughs> so he comes and they cast lots to see who goes in and, uh, and burns the incense in the holy place. This was a great, great honor, Okay. And Zechariah, the same guy who had all the shame for not having any children, gets chosen. So he goes in and burns the incense. And that, I, that must have been a little strange for some people like him. He doesn't even have kids. But he goes in and does. He burns the incense. And while he's doing that, an angel comes and meets him. And this is what the angel says. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. By the way, we're reading from N.T. Wright's translation, the Kingdom New Testament, which is fantastic. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. This will bring you joy and celebration, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be a great man in God's sight. He will drink no wine or strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb and will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to children and of unbelievers to the wisdom of the righteous. He will get ready for the Lord a prepared people. How 
can I be sure of this, said Zechariah to the angel. I'm an old man. My wife's not as young as she used to be either. Uh, look here, replied the angel. I'm Gabriel himself. I stand in the presence, I stand in God's presence. I think he's almost like offended. Like, what? Don't you know who I am, dude? Like, I'm Gabriel. Like, look at me. Wings, sword, big eyes, blonde wig. Hello. I was sent to speak to you and give you this splendid news. Now, listen. You will be silent. You will not be able to speak shh until the day when it all happens because you didn't believe my words. But they will come true at the proper time. <clears throat> Zechariah then goes home. He comes, well, here first. The people had been waiting for Zechariah and were surprised that he's taking so long. I mean, dude, what's still? Did he die in there? He might have died. We better go check on him. But when he came out, he couldn't speak to them and they understood he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He made gestures to them but remained speechless. So he goes home to his wife and uh, she's way too old to get pregnant but a few weeks later, she goes and, and, and is suspicious and she goes to, to the Bymart and she buys a, a little pregnancy test and she says, uh, honey, honey. And she brings it over to Zachariah. And he's so excited. He says, <gasps> do you like that joke? Did you get that? That's good. That's good. I will. I will, actually. <laughs> they conceive. And it's like, what in the world? You've got to be kidding me. And they conceive. And now he's waiting for the promise. Meanwhile the second birth story, which is much more familiar. This is Mary. And can we just marvel at the amazing photographic lighting they had in the first century? <laughs> I think they're using a ring light there, which is super cool. Mary. <laughs> Greetings, favored one, said the angel. This is Gabriel again. When he arrived, may the Lord be with you. She was disturbed at this. I love that. Yeah, yeah, she was disturbed. I bet she was. And wondered what such a greeting might mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, said the angel to her. You're in favor with God. Listen, you will conceive in your womb and will have a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be a great man and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never come to an end. How can this happen, said Mary to the angel. I'm still a virgin. Now, this is the point when we're reading this and we're all going, don't ask that question, Mary. Don't ask that question. But he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't strike her mute like he does with Zechariah. The Holy Spirit will come upon you replied the angel. He explains it. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy One who is born from you will be called God's son. Let me tell you this too. Your cousin Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month for her, a woman who people used to say was barren. With God, you see, nothing's impossible. So they meet, the two of them. How amazing would this meeting have been, by the way? the mothers of John the Baptist and Jesus the Most High get together. And it was every bit as amazing as you think it might be because the minute she comes up, this is what happens. Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting. The baby gave a leap in her womb. 
Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and shouted at the top of her voice, of all women, you're the blessed one. And the fruit of your womb, he's blessed too. Why should this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Look, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the child in my womb gave a great leap for joy, a blessing on you for believing that, uh, that uh, the Lord said to you would come true. A blessing on you for believing that what the Lord said to you would come true. I love that phrasing so much. We see here, God makes promises. Those promises are reasons for great joy. And we are blessed. Joy comes to us when we believe his word. So what is joy? I love the way Noah Webster defined it. Joy, the passion or emotion excited by the acquisition or expectation of good. So here we are, 2,000 years after Jesus was born, after this story, and despite all the good things we've acquired, we find that joy can actually be kind of hard to come by sometimes. We think about where we are right now in our culture, <clears throat> and uh, right now, I think it's safe to say we're in a serious funk. You guys agree with that? Um, we're, we're, in a, we're in a funk. The, the rates of anxiety depression and suicide are at an all-time high and they're just growing. Uh, life expectancy has dropped for the third year in a row. Did you know that? And the people are doing all these studies going, what is going on? Our culture is besought with loneliness and sadness and doesn't know how to find joy. The interesting thing I keep seeing over and over again are studies coming up talking about the physical effects of loneliness and how chronic loneliness, those who do not have other people in their life and, and, and spend their life in more isolation are lonely, they are at massive risks for very, very serious health problems. The same as, in, uh, say, as like alcoholics or chronic smokers. Like those things are parallel. So it is very, very dangerous, actually. And, and what we're seeing is, is this sort of happening uh, uh, across the board in our culture. And so we try to compensate. We're like, well, I'm lonely, so we'll find a tribe online of people who maybe are passionate about all the things I'm passionate about. And then, and then people find identity in all these weird places, but they don't have actual connection with humans. You guys, I want to say this really clearly. Uh, there is great use for the internet and social media, I am very happy for it. It's been very good to me uh, in some cool ways. However, you, you will not find actual community there. I mean, I know it can happen. Rarely it, it, it does, but it's never, it's never a substitute for flesh and blood talk, for, for an actual hug from a person, for a high five, for a fist bump, to be able to sit across from them and look into their eyes and say, I love you, or say, I'm hurting, or say, I'm furious with you. <laughs> this is community. You can't do, you can't have, you can't have church, I know, digitally. People are trying right now, and it doesn't work. I'm, I, we put our sermons out there for people who miss them, but we don't consider that actual relationship. So what we have is people not having a, a, a true source of fulfillment and joy in their lives, and so they substitute it with digital ways, and it doesn't work. And that's one of the reasons, that's one of the things that's driving depression and anxiety in like every study you'll find. This is one of the things that's driving it. So here we are, even though we are so 
rich with blessing. We have acquired so much good, thinking about uh, Webster's definition here. We've acquired a lot of good, but still, we don't know how to find joy in this culture. Now, I want to say, we've mentioned anxiety, depression, suicide, this kind of stuff. I want to be really clear about this before I proceed, that we are big believers in holistic healing here. In other words, we believe in counselors. We believe in medicine. We also believe in inner healing. I think all of these things ought to be on the table, and there's no shame in any of it. Like, God's created our bodies. He's created our minds. He's created us with hormones and, and chemicals in our, in our minds, and we need to be able to deal with those in all of the ways that need help. That's, that we firmly believe that here. But I, I don't also, but I, I don't want to think that every problem that we have needs to be just, uh, you know, given to specialists. Like, I'm really sad. Whoa, 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 I can't say anything. I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, there are things, there's ways that you and I can live our lives that can push back the darkness, that don't require prescription. <laughs> and, and the scripture is full of these things. And as we think of joy, we think of the expectation uh, uh, and, and the acquisition of good things pushing back the darkness. Uh, um, there, there are things we can do. And first, I think what we need to do is to open our eyes to the good that, ha that we've acquired, the good things that have come to us, the acquisition of good. When we open our eyes to these things, instead of sort of taking them for granted or shrugging at them, something happens in our hearts. We actually get joy that we didn't know we had. So, James 1.17 says this, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What has the Father of lights given you? What is he currently doing in your life? Or are you paying attention to what he's doing in your life? Now, I'm a special needs parent, like several here. We have a lot of special needs families here. Um, and uh, we have superpowers, did you know that? We have to develop them. It takes time to develop them. But if you, if you work at it, you earn a superpower, and that is this. You get to celebrate small victories. Right? This is part of our mantra, because if we don't celebrate small victories, we're just waiting for these big, big things, and you get super depressed, and you realize, wait a minute, there's good things happening right around me. So... Let me give you an example. This is, it's, it's, this is hard for some. It's, it's hard for people like me who never notice anything. I, I, my daughter Emily was just, Emily and Jenna, I think, were just totally picking on me the other day uh, because I came down one, one day and they're sitting in the peace room with my wife and, and they're painting. And so I came in and I was asking Sarah questions and uh, I, something was on my mind. I was asking her questions. Okay, cool. And I left I came back that afternoon, I walked in there with Sarah, I'm like, this room's been painted. And I said, like, when did this happen? And they look at me and go, you have got to be kidding. Sarah was like, I was holding the paintbrush when you came in. I don't know how this happens. And I'm really sorry because so many times, like, hey, how are you? I love the haircut. I told Andrew one time, dude, I love the sideburns. When did you do that? He's like, I've had those for like four years. I'm like... Right. So I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm never going to be Sherlock Holmes. I just don't have observational skills. 
And this could like stand in my way sometimes, right? And it could stand a lot of our ways because we stop noticing the little things that God is actually doing. So we have to sort of like get in the mode of like looking for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because when you look for something, then you actually see it. It's when you're not looking that you miss it. We have to look for them. Now, my wife is always really good with this when we think about, you know, I mentioned special needs parenting. So I think of my son, Jack, who most of you guys know. He's back in the back right there, buddy. And sometimes uh, uh, we're looking so for like a big breakthrough, you know, you're hoping a big thing will come and it doesn't come. And then in the meantime, all these little things are happening. But this, this was my story for a long time. All these little things happening. I'm still walking around like, so sad. Nothing's happening. Like, yeah, a whole lot of things. And no, I don't know. And I'm not even, I don't see them. And I can't really own that up just to like my lack of observational skills. Some of this is a heart thing. Are you willing to open your eyes? Are you willing to not live in despair? Because sometimes that can be a comfortable cave. So what we started doing is looking for those things and celebrating them no matter how small they are. And it might seem wooden at first, but I'm telling you, it's totally not. There's reasons for joy. Uh, that, that even if they're not big, maybe they're not perfect gifts like James is talking about. Maybe they're only good gifts. You know what? Good things are worth celebrating too. Not just perfect things. Can I, can I show you one? I didn't tell him I was going to do this, but he might like this. Um, this, was from, <laughs> this was from last month. Beth took this video when she took him to Wild Ones Youth Ranch. Uh, we might have audio. We might not. If we don't, that's okay. Let's give this a go. Ready? We'll start out trotting just like we did last time. <laughs> He'd never trotted okay. before with the horse. <laughs> yeah, good job, buddy. I mean, how cool is that? How cool is that? Now, did he win some equestrian award and jump over something? You know, no, who cares? My boy was trotting on the horse. That's a victory. You know what I'm saying? So, now I love doing this because I love when you see that smile on his face. I'm like, yeah, I did something cool, and he did. This is true for you guys as well. You're waiting for big things a lot of times, but missing the small things. Where's the joy? Where's the, you know what? Sometimes it's right there and you have to open your eyes to the good that you have acquired. Because he's given you a lot of stuff and he is doing stuff. Are you willing to see it? Second is this. The expectation of good. Because joy is passion or emotion, excited not only by the acquisition, but by the things you're expecting. I know we hate waiting. But just as Mary and Elizabeth found great joy and awaiting the promises of birth of, of God's promise. So we stand here today pregnant with the assurance of salvation. See, can I have the worship team come? We, uh, <laughs> we have been beneficiaries of God's promise too. See, because Jesus came back then and he's coming again. This is what we do here. This isn't therapy. This isn't Sunday morning therapy where we sing these songs to make ourselves feel better. We actually believe that Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, that he was nailed to a tree, that he died, that he rose again, that he ascended into heaven, and that he's coming back. 
This is expectation of good. This is a promise that we've been given. How often do you think about that? Because it's easy to look at all the mess all around us and think, man, this is just terrible. Like, what? nothing ever is going to happen. Are you kidding? Do you know Jesus is coming back to set all the bad things right? Did you know that? That doesn't mean we sit on our hands and just like wait, right? We talked about the parable of the talents where we need to take whatever he's given us and work toward that day. He is coming back. May he find us faithful. But do not think that it's all on humans because it's not. It's not all on you, right? It's not on you. (laughs) Jesus is coming back. That's a promise he has. Does that excite something in you? Because it, it, it ought to, I think. It ought to do something in us. I can't tell you the way to feel. But when you look at that hope, it should do this to us. <sighs> you know what I mean? Let me, let me give Jack as an example one more time here. My son likes a schedule. <clears throat> at 5 o'clock is what time, Jack? 5 o'clock is... Movie time, right? Five o'clock is movie time. And he knows at five o'clock, he's going to see a panda bear, pure awesomeness, and he's going to get out there and he's going to fight Shen, and they're going to they're gonna watch this, and it's going to be awesome, pure awesomeness. That's what that's going to be. And he knows that five o'clock, that's going to happen. Now, there might be other things before that that happen. And, and, and he asked me this morning, I got up, he said, five o'clock, I said, five o'clock's movie time, but today is Sunday, okay, good. What do we do on Sunday? First, church, good. And then after that is home, and after that is football, right? Dad watches football, that's right. Church, then football, and then five o'clock, movie time, he said, five o'clock, movie time. And when you know that, you think, oh yeah, I can see, I can see what's going to happen. There is good here. So I think we could take a page out of Jack's book, you know, in this world we will have trouble, right? But take heart because he's overcome the world. So, you know, you could say this, first pain, then glory. First night, then morning. First death, then life. How about that? Or more accurately, it's more detailed. <clears throat> Something like this. First happiness, then Jesus. Then disappointment, then Jesus. <laughs> then laughter, then Jesus. And then sickness, and then Jesus. And, and you know, then healing, and then Jesus. This is the part where I, it's a real easy thing I'm doing with you here, guys. <laughs> Jesus. Then hugs, then Jesus. yes. Then an end of all things, and then Jesus. He comes back to renew creation. This is our expectation of great good. Can we fix our eyes on that again? Because that's what Advent season's all about. It's not just leading up to Christmas. It's, it's leading up and remembering that just as Mary and Elizabeth had this great hope of a great coming good, so we also have hope of a great coming good. And it is cause for celebration, friends. And it is cause for joy. So stand up, and we're going to sing joy to the world one more time. Take it away, guys. Thank you.